What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are, of course, a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99, also at EthosFantasyBB. I'm very excited for everything that Ethos Fantasy BB has in the works. The draft guide, of course, is going to be coming out in the probably the third week of February. We've talked about that over these last couple of shows, really going back over the last week or so. Uh, we've been hyping up the draft guide probably the third week of February. We're not nailing down specific dates because the guys are still working on their pieces. I don't want to have to rush them. We still got a few months until baseball comes out, so there's no huge rush. Draft season is starting to get underway. But that draft guide is going to be there to help you guys out starting roughly in the third week of February. We're going to promote the hell out of it so you guys will definitely see all the great work the guys have been putting together. There's going to be my rankings in there, which I mean, we're talking about rankings. We're going to talk about them today. We've talked about them for the last few weeks, but they're going to be solidified in written form in the draft guide. We're going to have sleepers. We're going to have busts. We're going to have a rookie slash dynasty slash prospect section as well. That's a bit of a newer development, but we're going to have one person working on uh, rookies who are going to be projected to have a uh, decent amount of playing time this season. I think it's 300 plus plate appearances projected that we're going to talk about some rookies uh, in that regard. And there's also going to be a dynasty section talking about some dynasty ranks and dynasty thoughts in general. So really cool written content coming out there. And I announced it over the weekend on the sleeper in the bus. Justin Mason had me on the Fangraphs baseball podcast. I was very grateful to be asked on there, and I took the opportunity to talk about the new podcast that we have going on here. I have teased it for a long time, and before we get going today, I just want to tell you a little bit about it. So, Britton Allen, who has appeared on this show before, he was on our live trade deadline podcast. <clears throat> he was with Triple Play Fantasy last season doing the Three is a Magic Number show where he was talking about the top three players in different batting orders, guys who have risen to the top of batting orders, talking about their viability for fantasy. Well, Britton is going to be doing something a little bit different for us here while I think still incorporating some of the old um, Three is a Magic Number uh, magic, for lack of a better word. He's going to be starting a podcast on the Sports Ethos Network called It's Gone. It's going to be a weekly podcast looking at NFBC leagues. There will be some variance on the topics, uh, but we're going to be mostly looking at NFBC leagues there. Going to be talking about some fab, some deeper league players. Overall, just looking at the higher stakes game from his perspective. And I'm really excited about this. We've had this in the works since before Arizona. We talked about it in Arizona. We've got the artwork all done for the show. Britain's recorded the first episode. It's going to be coming out fairly soon, so I wanted to get you guys on the lookout for that. It's gone. You guys won't be able to find it in your feeds just yet. The page has not been created yet on your Apples and your Spotify's and your Googles and wherever else you get podcasts. But that will be coming very soon, so make sure you're on the lookout. Go follow Britton on Twitter, at Britton Allen. He is somebody who is grossly underfollowed over on Twitter. He should definitely be in the thousands of followers. He's only at a couple hundred right now. Go check him out, at Britton Allen, B-R-I-T-T-O-N-A-L-L-A-N. We'll have formal announcements over on Twitter, and we'll share out the link so you guys can go start subscribing and supporting Britain, what he's about to take on here, because it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys are going to be along for the ride there with him. Now, we are going to get back to rankings today. We're talking third base. Yesterday, of course, we, you, we typically done Friday, Monday rankings. Uh, we had Joe Pizzapia on the show yesterday. You guys know Joe from Fantasy Pros. Just transitioning back into baseball now. He's going back with the Welsh a couple times a week on the baseball podcast. He's going to be going five times a week pretty soon, so you guys should check out Leading Off and everything that Joe and the Welsh have going on there at Fantasy Pros. But because Joe was here yesterday, we took a pause from continuing with our third base rankings, and we're going to do that today. Now, third base, interesting position to say the least. Not one of my favorite positions to talk about because it's just 
pretty weak, honestly, as a whole. <clears throat> Ranking it is not the most fun endeavor, but we're going through it. We talked last Friday about the top 10 players I have at the position. That's Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado, Austin Riley, Rafael Devers, Bobby Witt at number five. I know there's some people probably scratching their heads if they didn't see the previous episode. Go check that one out. We talked about it in depth, and we also talked about it on the sleeper and the bust as well because the topic was sophomore players. But Bobby Witt at number five, Nolan Arenado at number six, Alex Bregman at seven, Gunnar Henderson at eight, Matt Chapman at nine, and Ryan McMahon at number 10. So those are the top 10 third basemen that we have going into the season. We got another 10 for you today, and man, it's not a great position. I think we all know that third base kind of sucks, but once you get out of those top 10 names, and we said it on the Friday show, if you're missing out on one of the first seven players, you're not going to be in a great spot for third base, specifically in your deeper leagues where you need to have some insurance on your bench. You might need to have a corner infield slot that you fill out as well. Probably better to go with the first baseman there, depending on how your draft goes, of course. But it's really thin once you get outside of those top, really, seven names. I mean, you can stretch that a little bit if you want. But, you know, those top seven guys are really, really uh, should be on your target list for this upcoming season because it, it's pretty thin. You're going to see when we talk about the names today. There's some guys to like. There's some guys that I don't like as much that just happen to be ranked there because, hey, we need to fill out the top 20. There's going to be guys who are 18th, 19th, and 20th. It doesn't mean that I'm going to like them or want to be drafted them, but that's still where I'd have them uh, at the position. So enough of the preamble out of me. Let's go into number 11, and it's Jose Miranda. I really like Jose Miranda. We talked about him on the first base ranking show. Now, he was a little bit farther down the first base ranking sheet. He was at number 18, and first base is a deeper position, so that I think that makes sense. It makes sense to me anyway. Uh, he's a little bit farther down the first base rankings as opposed to third base. But when you look at what he is probably going to do this year, I mean, when you look at what he did last season, first of all, 125 games, he had 15 dingers, he drove in 66 runs, and he batted 268. Now, he was doing that kind of splitting uh, first base and third base reps 77 times at first, 34 times at third. He was also DH 21 times. Now, his projections for this coming season seem to be pretty damn good. Depending on where you look, uh, Steamer has him for 20 homers, 73 driven in, and a 269 batting average. They are the most bullish on him. But even if you look at ATC, which is the aggregate projection of all of them, it's not just averaging out all the projections and dividing by four or whatever. He's Ariel Cohen is weighing different things differently. I'm not exactly sure what goes into it, but ATC is the aggregate of all the other projections. So it is the one that I try to look at the most. Uh, they have him for 18 homers, 71 RBIs, and a 264 batting average. Really solid numbers. Now, I'm not maybe as big on him. Let me, let me take a look at the ADP, actually, because I've tried to avoid ADP entirely during these exercises. Uh, I really think that it skews your own view of things. I guess I'm a little bit lower on him than consensus just by one slot. He's the number 10th uh, third baseman going off the board here at pick 155. I think that that value is really good. And I don't think that we're, we're splitting hairs a little bit 10th or 11th. It's all generally going to be the same in that if you're, you know, one spot off on a ranking for a player, you're generally in line with the consensus. And I think that what I'm expecting out of Miranda is generally what the public is expecting. He's going to hit these projections, I think, fairly easily. I think RBIs are something that we're, we're not 100% sure what he's going to do because of the uncertainty in the lineup ahead of him. Byron Buxton... He's a total enigma. We don't know if he's going to play 60 games, if he's going to play 100 games, if it's going to be 120 games. We really have no idea with him. Carlos Correa, you know, he, he should be there. He should be producing fairly well. Jorge Polanco is coming off a bit of a down year. Not really sure what to expect from him. 
Uh, it should be pretty good. I'm, I like Jorge Polanco, but there's also some uncertainty there. And then you got Max Kepler in front of him as well in the lineup. So there is a potential for Miranda to definitely meet this RBI total, 60 to 70, maybe even pushing 80 RBIs if things go right. He's going to hit you home runs. He's going to hit for a pretty solid batting average at a position where the batting average projections are not terribly great uh, across the board. I'm going to just pull up here the leaderboards at third base. I did have it up earlier, but my computer really hates me recently, and I've been putting off buying a new one, but I think I may end up having to go out and buy a new one. Here we go. We've got it. Jose Miranda is projected for the 12th highest batting average at the position, but there are some guys ahead of him. Uh, Tyler Freeman for Cleveland, that's over 37 games. Uh, Gio Urshela projected for a higher one, over 105 games. DJ LeMayhew, we've talked about our uncertainty with DJ LeMayhew as well. Uh, Jose Miranda essentially is projected for a top 10 batting average at the position for people who are expected to play more than 110-odd games. I mean, DJ LeMayhew... I mean, he counts, but he counts a little bit less, I think, just because I'm not even sure if he's going to be a full-time player this year. He was projected last time I looked at roster resource to be a bench bat for them, or at least a platoon bat. So I don't know if I'd really want to put him ahead of Miranda in terms of just even the batting average. But Miranda, in general, for these projections, is fairly strong amongst third basemen. And you also have to, I mean, I'm not just doing this based off of projections. It definitely factors in quite a bit. Also using my own noggin, looking at what happened last season, looking at the different trends throughout the season as well. And Jose Miranda, I think, is somebody who is going to be a really solid bargain where he's going in drafts right now at 155. I'm very interested to see. I haven't really looked at ESPN very much. I was going to get into a mock draft yesterday, but I, I got distracted and didn't. Uh, Yahoo has not opened up their mock drafts yet, and their ADP data is not there yet, of course. Um, but I'm interested to see how much variance there is here, especially for a guy like Miranda, who is not a household name yet. Uh, I mean, maybe in Minnesota he is, but across Major League Baseball, unless you play fantasy or you're a diehard fan of the game, you're probably not going to be so interested in Jose Miranda. I think there is a direct correlation between popularity of players and draft price in those shallower format hosting sites. You know, ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, they're hosting more shallow home league. Um, I'm not going to say less serious players, but there's usually less dollars on the line. In general, and I can even just speak to my own you know, knowledge from my own home league with my friends. I don't know if a guy like Jose Miranda is really going to be taken at value. I think he's going to be pushed down a little bit just because he's kind of an unknown still. But he is somebody, if you're getting him where he is going or even later, and I think you will get him later in your ESPN and Yahoo drafts, I think I would be taking him here pretty consistently at a position that is just dog water. You know, if you get one of those top seven guys that we've talked about, then you're you're probably very fine. Even if you go for a Gunnar Henderson or a Matt Chapman, you're probably going to be fine. <clears throat> but at the same time, you don't necessarily need to in those shallower formats. We'll see. We'll do some mock drafts on Yahoo, and every every site will do mock drafts on just to kind of get a sense of where players are being drafted on those particular sites. But I think that Miranda will end up being more of a value even than pick 155. You're talking 10th round of a 15-teamer, about the 12th round of a 12-teamer. And I think that you're probably going to see him go even farther than that. So we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see where his price is going. He might end up even being more of a value than what we've seen so far. But even if he goes at 155, I really like where you'd be getting him. I think that that's totally fair price for somebody who could have an even better season than what we're expecting. But let's move on. Let's talk about the next guy on the list here, Alec Bohm. Alec Bohm is my number 12 third baseman for the season. I'm going to take a look at his current ADP, uh, 184, 183, I guess. Uh, he is the 14th third baseman going off the board as of right now. 
I'm a little bit higher on consensus, <clears throat> I guess, with him. But I mean, I'm I don't see a reason to not be pretty big on Alec Bohm for this coming season. He's in a great lineup. The lineup is Turner, Schwarber, Hoskins, Real Mudo, Castellanos, and then Derek Hall and Alec Bohm. I think Bohm may end up batting sixth. I think that's probably going to flip flop a little bit based on matchup, based on the handedness of the opposing pitcher. Bohm will probably get pushed up a little bit against lefties, where Hall would probably be maybe not even in the lineup against lefties. Uh, where where Bohm would probably move up a little bit there. <clears throat> I'm I'm very big on him, and I was big on him last year as well. Uh, I think that he came alive a little bit. I'm just going to pull up the splits just to make sure I'm remembering correctly. Uh, but he got pretty damn hot, and you know he still ended up, maybe it was a slightly disappointing season, over 152 games. He had 13 homers, 79 runs, 72 RBIs, but he batted 280. And I think the batting average is going to be a pretty big factor with Alec Bohm. Uh, just looking back on his years in the minor leagues, there was a lot of a lot of the times where he was well over 300. It did vary a little bit, and he didn't spend too much time at any given level. <clears throat> the most he played at any level in the minor leagues was 63 games in 2019 with Philadelphia. He batted 270 there, but we also saw, and that was Double A, of course. We also saw him go well over 300 at the lower levels of the minor leagues, and he's carried it over pretty well at the big league level. <clears throat> in 2020, in his first cup of coffee, now he had an unsustainably high BABIP at 410. But he batted 338. He batted 247 in 2021, which was a bit of a step back. But this past year was 280. So I do think we can see the batting average at least stay where it is. And I'm just pulling up now um, the month by month splits. He was red hot in July. Uh, it was better in the second half, although it was fairly similar, I guess. The batting average was 285 in the second half uh, compared to 276 in the first half. I don't know why in my head I thought that. He, and I guess I'm just remembering the month of July where he had 33 hits and 76 at-bats. He was just crushing the ball. Uh, he was he was doing everything for you there. And that kind of inflated the rest of it, I guess. But overall, if you look at him, he is a 270 hitter. He should absolutely get to those numbers. I'm looking at the projections right now. Anywhere from 268 to 277 is what he's projected for. I Like I said earlier, I like to look at ATC. 16 homers, 69 rippies, and a 277 projected batting average. Five stolen bases as well, which you're going to – I mean, you could probably get close to that. He had two last year and four the year prior. I think you're probably in the three to five range. You're going to be fine. They're expecting anything, anything within that range. Now, I think with Alec Bohm, there's really not much to be concerned about. If anything, it's maybe the batting order. If he does bat seventh consistently, then you wouldn't be so crazy about him. The counting stats may not be there, but even last season, 79 runs, 72 RBIs. You're adding in Trey Turner in that lineup. Bryce Harper, we're not sure when he's going to be back exactly, but it'll just add another bat to the lineup to contribute there with the counting stats. Probably taking over, not where Derek Hall is in the lineup at six, but Probably everybody gets pushed down a spot. Harper goes to third, Hoskins four, Real Muto five or something. It's a great lineup at the top. It's a great problem to have for Philadelphia when Harper comes back. <clears throat> but Bohm should be on the receiving end of a lot of RBIs. Maybe the runs aren't crazy high, but he should still hit for a pretty good batting average, give you those 15 to 17 homers, and steal a couple bases from you at a position where you really don't get a lot of stolen bases from. I'm just going to go back here because my computer, guys, and I apologize because occasionally I do have to stall for time because my computer is just absolute dog shit at this point. I don't know what happened to it. Both of them. I have two computers that I use here, one of them for recording, one of them for, for researching stuff while I record, and it's gotten really bad. 
Um, I'm going to have to do something about it. Sometimes I refresh before I start, but I, I didn't do it today, and I'm paying the price for it. Uh, Alec Bohm projected for five stolen bases, which is 16th at the position. But when you look at the guys ahead of him, in terms of stolen bases, there's a lot of guys that you do not want anything to do with. Uh, Ezekiel Duran is very, very questionable to be drafted at all. Jonathan VR as a free agent still. Uh, Jace Peterson, you're not going to be too interested in. Rodolfo Castro, Josh Smith. Uh, Nate Eaton, Joey Wendell, in terms of guys that you're actually wanting to be drafting this year, he is definitely in the top 10 in terms of the stolen base output you're going to get. Of course, Bobby Witt's going to have his 20 to 30 stolen bases. John Birdie projected up there for 23, which is maybe he gets it, maybe he doesn't. It feels a little high considering they're projecting 83 games, but it's Bobby Witt, it's Ramirez, it's Cabrian Hayes, Josh Rojas, Gunnar Henderson, Machado, Ryan McMahon, and then essentially Bohm in terms of the stolen bases you're going to be getting out of your third baseman, where you don't have to take a zero in other categories a la if you take John Birdie or if you take a Nate Eaton. You know you really can't rely on them at all. And third base, you're not going to really be drafting four stolen bases, but it is a nice bonus that you get with Alec Bohm there. You should be getting anywhere from probably three to six stolen bases. I think that that's maybe three to five is more realistic. That's probably what I would expect, but he should be a pretty decent target of yours going into drafts at what pick 183. I think that he is a great bargain and definitely somebody that we should be looking at for this coming season. Now, next up, Eugenio Suarez. Again, somebody that I am pretty big on, especially after last season. He wasn't incredible or anything, but he definitely rebounded from that horrible batting average that we saw the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, and it's not like it was incredible. But the last two years, he batted 202 and 198. He got it back up to 236 this year. And it was crazy how the narrative around him, and it wasn't even the narrative, it was the reality. Uh, he went from <clears throat> a positive batting average force in your lineup to a hard negative. If you look at his first couple of seasons, you know, 242 in his first year, which was short, and then 280, 248, 260, 283, 271, and then he fell off a cliff. And then he kind of got back there because his BABIP returned to about the league average. Those two years where he was batting 200, the BABIP was 214 and 224. <clears throat> Definitely underachieving. He came to Seattle, and his stats were essentially the same, but with a 35, 38-point increase in the batting average. He's not going to be stealing any bases for you, but he's in the middle of a very good lineup that should not lack for scoring runs. We've talked about Seattle's lineup a little bit here and there on the show, and it's... It's kind of scary, honestly. Like, as a team that wasn't really that scary a couple of years ago, you're now looking at Julio, Ty France, Eugenio Suarez third, Teoscar Hernandez, Colton Wong, Cal Raleigh. The bottom third is definitely hit or miss. J.P. Crawford, A.J. Pollock, Jared Kelenic. But that top of the order, with Julio and Ty France getting on base as often as they do, Eugenio Suarez should not lack for RBIs. You know, he had, what was it last year, 87 RBIs last year. He's somebody with the outside chance, and it's not even a crazy expectation of him getting 100 RBIs. In that lineup where he's batting, wouldn't shock me at all to see him touch 100. 30 home runs is essentially what you're going to get out of him, projected from 28 to 30. If you're looking at his previous seasons, it's it's very correct. Uh, 21, 26, 34, 49, 31, 31. <clears throat> he is always going to be a huge power hitter. In that lineup now, you don't have to worry about there being shitty teams around him like there was in some seasons in Cincinnati. I know he still had a, over 100 RBIs a couple times, but a much better team than he had in Cincinnati. I mean, maybe the first couple of years he was there was a pretty good team back when they still had, you know, Votto producing well and, and Jay Bruce. Um, but this is, you know, the best team that he's been on. He's rebounding the batting average, and maybe it goes up a little bit more. It's, it's really hard to predict his batting average. The projection systems have it going down a little bit. 
uh, anywhere from 211 to 219. But I don't think we should really expect, and it's because of the BABIP. They expect the BABIP to go down about 30, 40 points again. You know, up until 2021, or excuse me, 2020, he'd never run a BABIP below 300. And then he had a couple of really down seasons, and one of them was in the short year. So he didn't even have the chance in 2020 to really rebound on that. Whereas maybe he played 140, 150 games, we would have seen that BABIP return somewhere closer to normal. 2021, it's hard to say why it was so low, but then he rebounded this season again back over 300. So I don't see why he would necessarily bounce back below that unless they're accounting for maybe some more shift changes or the lack of a shift maybe. But I don't I, I don't see why he would have a lower BABIP. He's a slow guy. He's generally not going to steal you bases. But he's ran for his career a 299 BABIP, even with those two horrible seasons included. So that should not go back down as much as people are expecting, I don't think. Probably should see about a 230 batting average from him again, giving you those 30 bombs, giving you 80-ish RBIs and 80 runs. I'm pretty big on Eugenio Suarez. Let's take a look at where he's going by ADP. 11th, I have him at 13. I'm not really like lower on him than a consensus. I wouldn't have thought because I'm fairly big on him. I think what really what really did it here is the fact that I moved Ryan McMahon up so much. And that's going to push everybody down one or two spots. I'm pretty big on Ryan McMahon. Go listen to Friday's show and hear why. Um, but I think that Eugenio Suarez here at 157, pretty good value. He's going right around the same range as Jose Miranda. It's very close. What pushes Miranda up for me personally is going to be the batting average. It's going to be the fact that, I mean, the lineup's very close. It's really just the batting average there. This is, this is a tier. I think when you're talking about Miranda, Bohm and Suarez, and even maybe the guy below them, that's probably one tier for me. And let's, let's get to the next guy. Cause we spent a lot of time here on these first couple of names. Max Muncy. Max Muncy, I have a lot of trouble with. Man, I I don't know what to really expect from him. This feels about correct for me. He is the 14th second baseman that I have. Uh, Let me see where I had him in the first base rankings. He was definitely lower. Um, Max Muncy. Or no, it wasn't first base. Excuse me. It was second base. uh, 18th. I had him 18th in terms of second baseman. I'm 14th in terms of third baseman. And I just, I still think he's going to be probably fine enough. But he's probably going to give you, like, it's going to be about the same as what Eugenio Suarez is going to give you. And the thing is, Max Muncy's being drafted as a top 10 second baseman. And that maybe it's because, or excuse me, not second baseman, third baseman. I'm getting myself all confused here. Uh, it's because he probably has that dual eligibility. And that's dual eligibility at two of the worst, if not the two worst positions in fantasy. So that's probably where some of that's coming from. But he's going to give you probably the same stat line as Suarez, if not a little bit worse. The home runs are definitely not guaranteed to be as much. The counting stats should be pretty close. Uh, you know, 70-ish runs, 70-some-odd RBIs, and there's a bit of variance there. Maybe it goes into the 80s. Maybe it drops into the 60s. I don't think the Dodgers are as good as people think they are, and that's part of the reason why I'm a little bit lower maybe on on Muncie and some other individual Dodgers. I don't think that they're that good. The top half of the lineup is, is pretty okay. The bottom half sucks. The pitching did not get better. I don't think that they're going to be that great of a team. The pitching doesn't factor into this decision, really. But if you're looking at what he did last year, he was awful. 21 homers and 69 runs and 69 RBIs is is pretty solid anyway. I mean, from what we were expecting from him the previous three full years, 35-plus homers, you're looking at 95, 101, and 75 runs. You're looking at almost 90 RBIs every single year. Now, he did miss some time. And, you know, if you just missed the time and everything else was, oh, you know, usual stats, if you're prorating it, and you'd say, okay, then that's that's probably fine. Uh, you know, he gave you only 21 homers, but he missed some time or whatever. 
even if you are prorating it, it's still a lower home run rate. And he batted 196. Like, maybe that doesn't continue, but he's not a fast guy. He's not going to be running high BABIPs. In fact, his BABIPs are, for the career, 256. The last He's never run one over 300 in his career. And if you look at the last couple of seasons, 227, 257, 203, 283. Batting average has never been great, but it's gotten really bad recently. <clears throat> 2021 was, was better for him, almost a career high at 249. But it's sandwiched between 192 and 196. They're projecting him to get back up to 230, and I just don't see it. I don't really see that. <clears throat> I think we're going to see literally like a Eugenio Suarez line here from him. We're going to see like 25 to 30 home runs. <clears throat> and, you know, you're not even guaranteed those same amount of home runs. I think that you might even be looking on the lower end there, like 24, 25 maybe. The counting stats, fairly close probably, and he'll steal you maybe one or two bases. For the last couple of years, he's given you one, two, two, four, three. Like, it might be a couple. But overall, give me Suarez in that lineup. I think that the lineup is going to be just about as good in Seattle as it is in Los Angeles. You're taking, you know, fairly similar stats, and you're getting them around later. That's <clears throat> that is where my thought process is. Excuse me, guys. I my throat is acting up. Sometimes I, I don't know what it was. If it was when I had COVID or just little sicknesses here and there, or maybe the fact that it's very cold in Toronto these last couple of days, uh, leading me to have to clear my throat. So apologies there. Um, but Max Muncie, I'm just not as big on him as a lot of people are for this season. I think that we saw the beginning of the end last year, especially with that lineup being deteriorated a little bit. I just can't see myself being in at the price. If he slips a little bit. Sure. I've got him here at 14. I don't think I could take him inside the top 10 in terms of the position. I just am really not that big. I'm not that interested in you know going along with what will maybe be you know some kind of redemption narrative from last year because he was so bad. Oh, this is the comeback season for him or whatever. I don't really feel like going along with that. I don't think that they're really that good to begin with. So I'm just... And I mean, I say that they're not that good. <clears throat> they're still you know, a decent chance that they come away winning the division, but they're coming off of a season where they won, what was it, 112 games or something, 111 games. I just don't really see them <clears throat> getting back to that same total, and I think that the lineup is really the big reason for it. The pitching is worse, but it's not like a, a ton worse. It's really this lineup. Once you get past Muncie, and J.D. Martinez at five, who is also, you know, <clears throat> in the decline stages of his career. You got Gavin Lux, Trace Thompson, Chris Taylor, Miguel Vargas. A lot of unknowns and not really anything that's that interesting for me. So I have Max Muncy at 14, and I don't see myself really moving him up any higher than that. I think that's about as high as I would possibly want to go with him. Next up here at number 15, we got Yandy Diaz. And he actually just re-signed today with Tampa uh, it was a three-year, $24 million contract. Uh, yeah, and there's a club option on it as well for 2026. So that should keep him array for likely the eh, the majority of the rest of his career anyway. He's 31 and a half right now. That'll take him through 35, 36, depending on if they pick up that option. Uh, I, I am pretty big on Yandy Diaz, especially at price. I think that he is a bargain. Where is he even by ADP here? 25th. In terms of the position, 265th overall. Now, you're getting a guy who is <clears throat> going to be probably leading off or at the top of the lineup, considering how often he gets on base. He's walking more than he is striking out. This past season, it was a 14% walk rate and a 10.8% K rate. Absurd. Absurdly good. For the career, 12.6% walk rate, 14.7% K rate. So he should be at the top of that lineup. He's coming off a year where he batted 296. 
He's projected, depending on which system you look at, for anywhere between 271 and 282. So you're getting a positive in batting average close to the end of your draft. Let's say it's a 12-teamer. You're getting a, a, very, a huge positive in batting average right maybe with your last pick. You're getting a lot of runs because he's going to be leading off, or even if he's batting second there, and he's got guys like Wander Franco, Randy Rosarena, Brandon Lau, Harold Ramirez behind him. You know, I talked about Harold Ramirez in a different show. Big fan of Harold Ramirez as well. But this is going to be a pretty decent lineup, I think. Maybe they're not going to blow you away. But they're going to score probably a decent amount of runs, especially with Diaz at the top of that order. It wouldn't shock me to see him surpass what he did last season. He had 71 runs in 137 games. Would not be surprised at all if he meets the steamer projection, which is 87. <clears throat> the Fangraphs depth chart projection has him for 82. And there's a different project. The bat has him for 69, ATC 71. But I think the upside is really, truly the steamer projection. They are the high man on the projection here, which, you know, stop me if you've heard that one before because they tend to be a little less conservative in their projections <clears throat> from my experience. But he's projected there for 14 dingers, 87 runs, 62 RBIs, five stolen bases, and a 282 batting average. And you're getting that as the 25th third baseman off the board. 265 by ADP. He is a huge bargain right now. Like Jordan Walker is being drafted ahead of him by about a round. We don't even know if Jordan Walker is going to be on the big league team this season. Like maybe, okay, at some point in the year, probably he will. But to start the year, I'd be surprised if he does. Even though they've talked about, you know, we're going to try and squeeze him in here or whatever. They don't really have room for him. We're drafting a total unknown here around ahead of a guy who is going to be leading off for a playoff team. I just don't understand it. Even DJ LeMayhew is going ahead of Yandy Diaz when you're only really taking DJ LeMayhew for the positive in the batting average category. You get in that with Diaz. You're getting this with Diaz a few picks later. You're also getting, you know, probably more runs. You know, everything else is probably going to be, you know, probably a wash. But you're getting more runs from him. You're getting potential for more home runs as well because I don't think DJ LeMayhew is likely to go for double-digit bombs. And, you know, I think that it's it's just crazy to me that he's going this late, 25th. He's going around the same price as John Birdie. He's going, you know, who was another crazy one? That's most of the crazy ones in this range anyway. But he is a value. He's a huge value. I mean, this is one of the biggest jumps ahead of ADP that I've done on any of my rankings. And I think that it's totally justified if you look at the projections. I really do. I'm not basing this just off of projections. They're definitely factoring into it. But when you look even at WRC+, plus, he's projected for the sixth highest WRC+, plus at third base this season. Only guys ahead of him are Machado, Devers, Riley, Bregman, and Jose Ramirez. Like, he is projected for a better WRC+, plus than Nolan Arenado, than Gunnar Henderson, than Matt Chapman, then Suarez, then Bobby Wood Jr., you know, by, by quite a bit. And I know WRC+, plus, we said this on another show, it's not a fantasy category, but it goes to show you the overall value that you're getting from a hitter. And Yandy Diaz is somebody who I'm going to have on probably every single one of my teams at this point. He is grossly undervalued in drafts. He is going to be at the top of that lineup, scoring a lot of runs and contributing, you know, not five categories, but you're getting like four categories out of him. I know it doesn't have to be like crazy high contributions in particular categories at this draft price for it to count as being a category. You know, when you say how many categories does he have with Diaz, you can legitimately say four. You can say the home runs because at that point in the draft, you know, okay, maybe that's one's a little bit of a stretch. But even still, 15 home runs, 13, 15 home runs at that point of the draft is nothing to sneeze at, especially when it comes with likely 80 runs and a 280-plus batting average. The stolen bases are not going to be crazy, but there's going to be a few of them there where, you know, with the position at third base, uh, there are not a lot of stolen bases to go around. We talked about earlier with Alec Bohm how, you know, he's – 
bordering on like a top 10 guy here at the position for steals. Uh, it's, it's, there's really not a lot. So even if he does just give you four steals or five steals, you'll take that every single day. And even if it's, you know, three or four, it doesn't have to be five or six for him to really make a contribution in that category, considering everything else he does. So Yandy Diaz, I am pushing him up ahead of consensus quite a bit, but I will stand by that one to the grave. I think that he is a huge, huge bargain this season. And he's definitely somebody that you should be taking ahead of ADP. And I don't say that very often. If you guys listen to the show regularly, I usually just say, wait till ADP. I'm happy to jump around or two on Yandy Diaz. Make sure that I have that production, especially at third base. Third base is shit. It is awful. Getting to this point, even it's like, eh, you, you don't like anybody. But Diaz, honestly, if he was your starting third baseman for the season, regardless of your league size, I think you'd be okay with it. Maybe a 10-teamer, you'd be pushing it. But in a 12-teamer, Yandy Diaz, you take him with one of your last picks, I'd be totally fine to slot him in the third base slot because you don't have to worry about corner and middle infield in those shallower leagues. You're just drafting one third baseman. You don't necessarily need to reach. You definitely can. You definitely can go for one of those top seven guys that we've talked about here a lot, and that is the preferred method. Those guys are going to be the studs. But if you do miss out on one of them, if you go for a different strategy early on, you go for pitching and you go for second base and catcher, a guy like Andy Diaz is a huge bargain here. Pick 265, I'd be taking him all day, every single day. But let's move on. Let's talk about the number 16 third baseman I have here. It's Cabrian Hayes. And he's another guy who I don't really know how to judge him properly yet. I think that he is going to be very good, but I also have to look at what he's done in the big league so far. He's been fairly disappointing, I think, from what we were expecting out of him. Now, he's still 26 years old. So we haven't seen the full version of him yet. But these first couple of seasons, I think, you know, part of it was those those 24 games he played in 2020. He batted 376. He had five dingers. He set the world on fire. The next year in 2021, he had six homers and nine steals, and he batted 257 over 100, just about 100 games. Not great. <clears throat> now, this past year, you, you want to argue he took a step forward? You can, I guess. I mean, specifically in stolen bases, he did. He stole 20 bases for you. Everywhere else, though, I mean, the home run total was about the same in 40 more games. He added one dinger. Batting average dropped 13 points, and that was the Babip dropping 14 points there. Uh, direct correlation. Overall, not that impressive, but at this position, you know, we've talked about how shitty it is. When you get to this point in your draft, and it's not that late, but he's going, like, close to pick 200. And I think here here he makes sense. Like, uh, maybe even a little bit farther down. But I think, honestly, part of it with me is I would have had him farther down, but I like some of the moves that Pittsburgh has made this offseason. There's a potential that every batter in their lineup will have double-digit home runs, and I think that that would be pretty cool considering how shitty they were last season. And that's not the be-all and end-all, the home runs, but... You're looking at O'Neill Cruz and Brian Reynolds ahead of him. Should be quite a few RBI opportunities for Hayes. Behind him, you got G-Man Choi, Andrew McCutcheon, Carlos Santana, who's also a big target of mine this year, Jack Sawinski, Rodolfo Castro, Austin Hedges. The bottom third is not the greatest, even though I'm a pretty big Jack Sawinski guy. I think that there's a potential for some decent counting stats for him, specifically the RBIs. I think behind those two, behind Cruz and Reynolds, we could see, I mean, I'm not going to call for 100 RBIs or something, but they're only projecting... About 56. <clears throat> if you look at Steamer, they're projecting 66. But in the, you know, the third-place spot in that lineup behind those two guys, I think that we could see the upside of, of 80 RBIs from him. I don't think that's out of the question at all. The steals, you know, are, how sticky are the steals year in and year out for him? We're yet to be determined. 
He went from one steal in 25 games, which is hard to really even judge him on, to nine steals in 96 games, up to 20 in 136 games. You know, would logic indicate that he's going to go up in stolen bases? Probably if he plays more games. He's projected for about the same amount of games, and they're saying fewer steals. Uh, 139 by the bad X for games played, 137 for ATC, 136 for Steamer. He played 136 games last year, and they're calling for across the board fewer stolen bases. I think that we're probably going to see something similar, 20-ish steals. You're going to see likely double-digit home runs. I think we're going to see that step from him, even though the power has been just terrible. Like, the ISO is just over 100. Like, he's really not been great in that department, but we should still see double-digit home runs over the course of a full season. I mean, even if you just look back at that first cup of coffee he had, five homers in 24 games, is that an overperforming you know, season from him? Yeah, his ISO was over 300, yeah, absolutely, and it was a small sample size. But he definitely has more power in him than what we've seen at the major league level. Like, even if you just look at a couple of minor league seasons, at AAA in 110 games in 2019, he hit 10 home runs. Not going to be a huge power boost, but definitely should give you more than seven. And I think the projections here giving you 11 to 13 range, that's correct. The batting average is not going to be a massive positive, but it's also not a massive negative either. He's going to be somewhere in the 240, 250 range. His speed will lead to higher Babbitts, which should give him a couple of more uh, hits than the average player does. I think with Cabrian Hayes, he's not a huge target of mine. But if you get to this point in your draft, I think that he doesn't hurt, you know. I'm not going to be prioritizing him over guys who are, you know, even Alec Bohm, a few spots below him in terms of ADP. I'll take Alec Bohm. Uh, I'll take, you know, we've talked about a couple of guys below him, Yandy Diaz specifically, I'll take. Uh, but once you get into this range, third base is really drying up. If he's sitting there and you see third basemen are flying off the board and you're really not sure if the next third baseman available to you is going to be Wilmer Flores or if it's going to be Josh Rojas or if you really you're, if you just really don't know let's just say you draft and you got to go 20 some odd picks without your without your next pick or whatever third baseman are flying off the board i don't have a problem taking Hayes just to secure some level of production in the position because once you get to a certain point here we're not there yet but once you get to a certain point there's no guarantee of any kind of production and we're we're not quite there but we're sniffing that territory so with, with Hayes, if you're getting close to pick 200, uh, I think you should take a shot. I think it makes sense that we could see more progression. We could see more of a breakout year from him. I don't think it's likely. But at age 26, you know, he's come into his own a bit as a big leaguer. I think there is potential for more growth than even I am anticipating. So, Cabrian Hayes at number 16. And we'll keep it going here with number 17, Josh Rojas. We've talked about Josh Rojas at the second base. Uh, I believe it was the second base show. They're all kind of they're all kind of in my head here combined now. Uh, Josh Rojas is it first base he has the eligibility in? Oh, Jesus, I'm losing track of what I'm doing here. No, it's second base. I got my spreadsheets mixed up. I was looking at the first base one, and no, I was, second base is where he has uh, the other eligibility. Twenty is where I had him in terms of second base rankings. I've got him here at 17 for third base. Third base is a little bit weaker than second base. It's close. There's a couple of guys here that we're going to talk about now, actually, who were all in my second base rankings. And I won't go into as much detail on these guys because we have talked about them already. But we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit still. Josh Rojas, for me, I think that he's somebody where he will be underrated simply because he is in Arizona. You know, he is not the flashiest player by any means. He is more of a... 
I don't know, utility type player where he's not going to be somebody that has a, probably a lot of interest in drafts. Now, his price is, is fairly cheap, especially considering the eligibility. Second base and third base, he's going to pick 213 on average. And I'm factoring out everything except for January drafts. We're looking at 29 draft champions. That is That is the ADP that I'm going on. And he's going at a pretty decent price considering the eligibility he gives you and considering the stat set that he does provide. If you look at last season, very underrated fantasy player. Nine homers, 23 steals, and a 269 batting average. He's probably going to be somewhere in the middle of this Arizona lineup. And if the projection stays, we talked about this with Welsh a couple weeks ago with Chris Welsh when he did our Diamondbacks preview. There could be a lot of RBIs available for him. I know we've talked about that a couple with a couple guys today. But Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte, Jake McCarthy, and Christian Walker all batting ahead of him. He, I mean, let me look at the projections for RBIs. Pretty much across the board, they're calling for less than 50. I think that that's crazy. I think that we could see closer to 70 RBIs from him if he's in this five spot the whole year. The guys above him are going to get on base. They're going to be on base when he is at the plate. You know, they're not the craziest high on base percentages, but guys like Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte, Jake McCarthy, they're not bad. And all of them, really, they're not bad. We're talking like 320s, 330s on base percentages. That's what they're projected for. It's not going to be crazy. I'm not going to say he's going to give you 100 RBIs, but I think he can certainly beat what the projections are telling you. Now, the steals are very interesting as well. He went from nine steals in 2021, which was over 30, 139 games, down to 23 steals over 125 games this past season. Or up, Jesus, not down, up to 23 steals over 125 games. So he did increase his stolen base rate. Will that continue? I think what they're projecting here, somewhere in the middle of those two seasons, is definitely the safest. Because with this kind of situation, it's it's hard to say with somebody his age, he's 29 years old, just about 29 years old. We don't know if he's going to be, you know, getting more steals or getting fewer steals. Probably not more. With Cabrian Hayes, you can you can kind of project a few more because he's a couple years younger. He doesn't have as much experience in the big leagues, uh, and I think that he will steal to try and make up some of the lost value that we were maybe expecting from him in different categories, uh, and you know, expecting of himself as well. Probably expecting himself to hit more than single-digit home runs in his first three seasons. Maybe that's where some of the stolen base stuff is coming from with him. With Josh Rojas, he's a little more established. He's over the over the course of four seasons now in the big leagues. And I don't know what to make of his steals exactly. So I think the projections are fairly correct, giving you about 15 of them, somewhere in between what he did these last two seasons. Probably going to give you a similar number of home runs as well. Eight and 10 is the projection range. Eight for ATC, 10 for the bat, 10 for steamer. And the batting average is going to be a relative positive given the state of batting average across baseball. 269 is what he had last year. 264 the year prior. The projections have him going for about 250-ish. Totally on board with that. At this price, I think that he makes a lot of sense. Not even necessarily as a starter in your lineup. And the way, I mean, where he is priced, he probably is depending on your format. But in your shallower leagues, you take Josh Rojas here, pass pick 200 and have him as a bench option. I think that that makes sense as well. You know, you can plug him in to second or third when one of your guys has a day off. And let me just take a look at his, uh, how we played last year. He actually didn't play in the outfield last year. I think he has played in the outfield in the pa- in past seasons. He definitely has, the more I think about it. Uh, but he won't have that eligibility for next season. But regardless, you still got a nice utility guy for your bench or even as a starter. You know, if you want to have Josh Rojas as a starter at second or third, I'm not going to kill you for it. I would rather have other guys, obviously, 
But if your fallback option here is Rojas at second and Yandy Diaz at third, I think you can fill out the earlier rounds with a lot of really solid players. Look at outfield, especially in your deeper formats, it's going to thin out. If you want to go for the Rojas and Yandy Diaz combination there at second and third, I'd be I'd be all for it, honestly. I think they're very underrated players for this coming season. And I'm going to be drafting them, maybe not wherever I can. Diaz, for sure. Rojas, I'll have some shares, definitely. Uh, but I think at this point in the draft, you're looking for that kind of upside. And you have it with Rojas for stolen bases. You have good batting average. And maybe he does get you 12 home runs. You know, he had nine last year, 11 the year before. He's not a massive power hitter by any stretch, but I think that we can see double-digit, even if it's not crazy double-digit numbers uh, in home runs for him. So I have him at 17. Definitely a fan of Josh Rojas heading into this season. I think the price makes a lot of sense. Now, next up here, we have Brandon Drury. God, I wish I knew what to make of Brandon Drury as well. We've talked about him as well on the second, I think it was the second base show. It was second base, yeah. Uh, He was the 22nd second baseman that I had. Again, he was just behind Rojas there. And the guy that's just behind um, the guy that's just behind Brandon Drury in the second base rankings is also just behind him in the third base rankings, just the way that it happened to shake out there. I don't know what to make of Brandon Drury. You know, we talked about this on the second base podcast. I don't know if he's going to give you anywhere close to what we saw last year. Like, I feel like it was a best-case scenario for him in Cincinnati. He did not do as well in San Diego, and I think that we're more likely to see the San Diego version than the Cincinnati version. But that being said, he should still be able to give you somewhere close to these projections, even if he doesn't meet them or surpass them. He could give you 18 to 20 bombs over the course of a full season. That lineup is is just a huge wild card as well. If they stay healthy, there will be a lot of counting stats available to guys like Brandon Drury. But that's just the, the huge question. Are the, are the Mike Trouts of the world going to stay healthy? Is Shohei going to stay healthy? Taylor Ward, probably, yes, but we don't know. Jared Walsh with the thoracic outlet syndrome, have no idea if he's going to be healthy or not. Brandon Drury, another guy. Anthony Rendon, you know, there's a lot of unknowns in this lineup in terms of the health. If everybody else gets hurt, if there are a lot of injuries, Brandon Drury is probably almost definitely not going to give you the 87 runs and 87 RBIs he gave you last season. It was the best-case scenario for him last year. He also batted 263, and he's always been kind of a decent hitter. Uh, it's actually either been pretty good batting averages or pretty pretty bad throughout his career. When he plays a full season, he's generally giving you somewhere close to 260. So maybe he is able to give you a 250, 260 batting average. But those counting stats are going to come way down. The home runs should also come way down. And in general, I just think he's a little bit overvalued here as the 15th third baseman off the board. The eligibility definitely helps with these guys who have multi positions, especially second and third. If he's got first, second, and third base eligibility, it's probably not hurting his draft stock. But I don't see myself being that interested here at pick 200. He's sandwiched between Alec Bohm and Josh Rojas. I'll take either of those guys. I'll take Ryan McMahon over him. Um, at that point, those are probably the guys in that range where I would take them over him. I'm just I'm just very nervous that we're going to be drafting last year's stats. And that's something that you have to worry about with a lot of guys who had these one-off crazy seasons. Their price will go up. It's just a matter of if we should even be paying attention to them at this point. And I think we should, especially because of the eligibility. There's potential in that lineup if everybody's healthy for a very good season. But I just don't know that it should be what we expect. It should be our best-case scenario but I don't know that we should expect Brandon Jury to have anywhere close to his numbers from last year. And granted, the market is not expecting that based on the draft price, 
but he's probably going a little bit higher than he maybe should. And it's because I think the eligibility plays a huge factor there. Uh, if he was just first base eligible, <clears throat> you'd probably see him 50 or 60 picks lower. But the fact that you can play him at two of the worst positions in fantasy definitely bodes well for him. Uh, Brandon Jury, last thing, I just I just would rather not. If I could, then I, I don't want to get stuck in a draft and say, okay, I have to take Brandon Jury now. I'd much rather take care of the position earlier or even a little bit later. You can go for a couple guys that I like more, Ryan McMahon and, of course, Yandy Diaz. Those are guys who I am definitely more interested in. And, of course, you guys will make your own rankings. Or maybe you won't. I'm not sure. Everybody will have their own opinions. Maybe you guys think I'm crazy. Maybe you think Brandon Drury is going to have a great year. Ryan McMahon should be well lower than he is potentially. I'm not sure what you guys think, but I'm just here to give you my general thoughts. And I know Brandon Drury is beloved now by some, but I think we should just keep our expectations in check a little bit for him. Next up, and I did tease who it was going to be if you guys did watch the second base show. Luis Urias, Uri- Urias, Urias, I think it's Urias. I'm not, I'm honestly not really sure. Now, once you say something so many times out loud, it honestly makes you kind of like, you know, the Nathaniel Lau, Nate Lowe, Brandon Lau, Lowe, I'm, that one really gets me, and Urias is kind of the same one because sometimes it's Urias, Urias. I'm, I don't really know, no mean to be disrespectful. I'm just horrible with name pronunciations that aren't Italian. Of course, I'm Italian, so I can figure those ones out. But in terms of his projections for this season, Luis Urias, 19 homers on ATC, three steals, and a 242 batting average. Counting stats, supposed to be pretty decent, about 70, or, or 70 runs, 70 RBIs, maybe a little bit lower depending on how you want to factor in all these projections. Uh, between 63 and 70 runs and between 63 and 66 RBIs. This is the point where they're not sexy anymore. and I mean, they haven't been sexy for a few picks now. But a guy like Urias, you're, you're just taking there because you're figuring you're getting, first of all, you're getting second, third, and short eligibility, which is very nice to have. He just snuck in that shortstop eligibility, played 24 games there. I think this is just because uh, he, he's, he's a tough one here. And at this point, I'm not interested really as like starters on my team anymore. I think if you want to have him as more of a backup plan, then that would be what I want to do. And at, we're at the point, we're at the range where you don't need to have him as a starter. I have him as the 19th third baseman. Um, draft price right now, he's going as the 20th third baseman. He's just not that interesting to me outside of a utility slot. Like, he gives you decent power. The average is not good. He doesn't steal bases. Counting stats in Milwaukee are probably going to be a little hit and miss. He's projected about six. The guys ahead of him in the lineup, I, I like. I like Yelich. I like Willie Adamas, Rowdy Telez. William Contreras, Jesse Winker. Maybe there'll be more counting stats available for him than I expect. But I think best case scenario, probably 70 and 70. And that's absolute best case scenario. You know, 20-ish home runs. He gave you 23 in 2021. He gave you 16 this past year. I'm just really not excited about drafting him. If it gets to the point where I have to have him as a starting third baseman on a team, it means that I have failed in my strategies and it means I was probably rushed, and it was probably a one-minute pick clock, and I didn't have the chance to really go through my options. He's not somebody that I'm that big on, even though I have him one spot ahead of the consensus. I just think that he is a classic fallback if you miss out on your other options. And where he's going, I mean, 243, it's a, it's a fine range, especially with his eligibility. He just doesn't really particularly excite me because he is has the potential to just be a one-category guy, and that could be home runs. And, you know, maybe it's not as much as we're expecting. He went from 23 down to 16, didn't play nearly as many games, granted, 
I mean, 31 fewer games, but maybe he doesn't get back up. Maybe it is closer to what Steamer is. Steamer is the more conservative projection here on the home runs. They're projecting, you know, a 17-game increase and only two more home runs. They think there'll be more stolen bases, but, the, I mean, uh, he's a guy who has one, zero, two, five, and one for his career. He could give you five again. He could give you zero. Nothing would surprise me in that regard for him. Not the quickest guy in the world. You know, anywhere from three to four is what he's projected to have. But I just can't really see myself writing those numbers down in pen and expecting it with him. I just think that there are better options to be had out there. Now, once you get past him, I mean, obviously I have him 19th. There's nobody really below him that I'd want to have over him. But he is just a fairly plain Jane, fairly high floor, but fairly low ceiling kind of player here. Uh, I don't think that we can expect too, too much if you are drafting him. Probably for the bench, probably for a corner infield slot. And I mean, the fact that he is eligible at second, third, and short is nice. You can have him middle infield, corner infield, any of those other spots in and of themselves. There is some value. He just doesn't, he's just not the most exciting player in the world for me. So I think with Luis Arias, uh, definitely more of the fallback option as opposed to somebody that I am going into drafts trying to take. Last one here, and he is actually ranked one spot below Arias, Urias in terms of the ADP numbers right now, and they're within about a pick of each other. It's Anthony Rendon, and I do have trouble with this one. I I want Anthony Rendon to be healthy, and that, that's really what it all comes down to. He hasn't been healthy for several years. When he's healthy, what we saw from him in Washington, he was an elite player, and the first year in Anaheim, we saw him get drafted as such. Like He was going, I believe, now we're a couple of years removed from it, but I believe he was going in the 30s, Roughly in the 30s, every year prior, you know, if you're looking at 2019 and beyond, and, and before that, 34 homers, 126 ribbies, 24 and 92, 25 and 100, 20 and 85, pretty routinely scoring over 100 runs as well. Like, he, or sorry, not routinely. He did it twice, and he also had a season with 91, and he had a season with 88. But in the years where he scored more than 100, it was 111 and 117. You know, he drove in 126 in 2019. He had a legitimate MVP case that you could make for him. He hasn't been healthy since. And, I mean, 2020, he was mostly healthy, I guess, in the short season. But you can't really take any data from that season and take it too seriously because it was just – everything was whack. The season started late. Guys didn't have proper time to, to ramp themselves up. And by the time they knew it, the year was done. So it's hard to hold that year against him. These last two seasons have been littered with injuries. 58 games in 2021, 47 games in 2022. And when he's been out there, he's definitely been the worst version of of, um, of Rendon that we've seen. Lower batting average, lower home run rates, You know, not stealing any bases, but he hasn't really been given a chance to steal many bases considering the games that he's played. But even then, you know, he's played 105 games, he's stolen two bases. It's not good. You take that back to 2020 as well. He's stolen two bases in total with the Los Angeles Angels. But if he's healthy, if he's given you a full season worth of games, he's still not that old. He's 32 years old. He could still give you 25 homers and close to 100 driven in in that lineup. If everybody's And that's the thing with the Angels lineup. If everybody's healthy and Rendon is batting fourth, and he's batting behind Ward, Trout, and Otani, the sky is the absolute limit, assuming he gets out there and gets his 500, 600 plate appearances. Even five, give me 500 plate appearances. Like Steamer's, or not like Steamer, like uh, ATC is projecting. I think that they're even a little bit conservative on the, the production, assuming he does meet those games. They're calling for 16 homers, 63 ribbies, 255 average. I think that that's probably the low point if he is healthy. 
if, and I mean, everything that you're saying about Rendon is going to be prefaced with if he's healthy, because we just haven't seen it these last couple of seasons. As much as I don't like a drafting an injury-prone player like him, and I mean, hard to say injury-prone or whatnot, I'm just unlucky, but he's going close to pick 250, and he's a guy who has top 50 fantasy upside, considering what we've seen with batting averages over the years. Even with these horrible batting averages the last two seasons, he's a 285 career hitter. He is still generally somebody who should be giving you 20-ish home runs when healthy. 70 to 80 runs scored, 70 to 80 RBIs. All of that is likely, assuming that he gets out there and he gives you those 500 plate appearances, which, again, biggest question in terms of, I mean, you can't even say it's the biggest question for the Angels because they have so many different questions regarding health. But if he's out there, and he is playing, even if it's 118 games like ATC is projecting, he'll be a bargain at this per, at this current draft price. 21st in terms of the third base position. I have him 20th. It's not like I've moved him up a crazy amount or anything. I think this is generally correct. But if you, you're going to go for him or Jordan Walker 10 picks later, or him or like Justin Turner, Josh Young a couple picks earlier, I'm definitely going with Rendon. I think that Rendon... Has that? I mean, Josh Young has the potential, and so does Jordan Walker, to be great players. But Rendon's actually shown us in the past that he is a great player, and we haven't had a full season of him since he showed us that. So I'm willing to reinvest. I think that as a 20th third baseman off the board, it is a reasonable ranking and is a very reasonable price to be taking him. But guys, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Really appreciate you guys hanging out. We are moving up the charts in terms of podcasts. We are looking at the chartable. Um, I'm not even sure how they do it, if they go by downloads or recent downloads or clicks, links, Google searches, whatever it works. But we're jumped into the top 35 fantasy sports podcasts in the United States for the last week. Really cool stuff. And I know some people think, ah, oh, 35th, whatever. There's been times when we've been ranked below 200 on that list. Not that I look at it that regularly, but they'll send you an email once a week with your with your report. And there's been weeks where we've been pretty damn low in those overall rankings. We're up in the top 35 right now. We're a third-round pick, so I really appreciate you guys uh, showing some support, liking these pods, subscribing to these pods, liking posts on Twitter, and just overall the general support that you guys have given me. I, I really appreciate it. I could not do without you guys. It has been a hell of a lot of fun taking this journey with you. This week is going to be pretty fun the rest of the week as well. Tomorrow we'll wrap up these third-base rankings. Thank Christ we'll be done with them. Won't have to look at them again until, well, I'll have to look at them again. But you guys won't have to hear about them if you don't want to because we'll be done talking rankings on the pod. We'll have it in written form, and maybe we'll touch on them here and there. But third base will be concluded. Thursday, we'll be talking with Kevin Hastings, co-host of the On The Wire pod at Pitcher List. Fantastic show if you guys don't listen to it. You really should. We're going to be talking Royals. And then later Thursday, I'm going to be talking, although it'll be published Friday, with Mike Kurland of Gaining the Edge Fantasy, of The Athletic, of Fantasy Pros. We're going to be talking some Marlins. I've decided to put Mike through the... (laughs) Through a, I forget how he phrased it when he was uh, when we were messaging me. He said, when I asked him to come on, he said, sure, but why do you torture me? And it's essentially, yeah, there's some teams that are like that. Uh, we're going to have Carlos Marcano on in a couple weeks, one of the co-hosts of the Triple Play Fantasy Beat podcast. He's going to be on talking some Oakland A's, and it'll be a similar kind of situation where you're, you're asking, why, why have you done this to me to go over these teams? But we're going to go over all 30 teams, the best of them and the worst of them. We're going to continue with rankings. We'll have shortstop coming out next Monday. We'll do shortstop. Uh, assuming there's no scheduling things that happen or big news we have to talk about. Uh, We're going to keep chugging along here, and you guys really appreciate you being along for the ride. Check us out at EthosFantasyBB on Twitter. Throw a follow there. just takes a couple seconds. You'll get all of our new feeds, all of our new podcasts, articles, 
everything that comes out for us, you will have access to it. Guys, that'll do it for me because we've run an hour long now, but we will see you again tomorrow to complete these brutal third base position. Guys, take care and cheers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.